Yeah, I had a gigantic beard and like my hair was all long and I realized I was gonna meet Paul Rudd, so I just had to look good. You look sharp. Oh, that's nice. That's really nice. Yeah. No one ever cleans up for me. <laughs> I got I have beard uh, envy. It's a nice beard. It's a nice full beard you're sporting, and you've trimmed it on the side. Trimmed it on the side. Yeah, it's, it's good. Full process, Never thought though. this interview would start with so much manscaping chat. That's but. what we're going for. Yeah. Listen, I know we're starting over again, but I have to say, Aladdin's going to be great. I love Guy Ritchie. He's going to be amazing. It's going to be the sequel to his uh, Dark Souls film, King Arthur. That was. Well, the thing with, with Aladdin, I realized... Why are we talking about Aladdin? But I realized that Aladdin... I'm like, why is Guy Ritchie doing this movie? And then I realized it's literally a heist movie. Yeah, hello. So it's like, it's perfect. <laughs> as long as he got that ca- that fixed steady camera on them while they're running... And saying words and like pumping weird scenes, just it's great. It's happening. He's he's very much a style over substance person. So like, I kind of least... would have preferred like a Statham genie. Oh yes. Right. I just like. It's just saying all the weird shit. No you got three wishes. <laughs> Is that a good Statham? I don't even know. <laughs> Yo, tight. What's that on your belt, Aladdin? <laughs> that being cut. <laughs> Can't say that. It's a children's program, Momo. <laughs> Ugh. Okay, so welcome to the Cutaway Podcast. My name is William Mullally. I'm a film critic based in Dubai. With me, as sometimes, is Momo Shabani. Hello. I'm an aspiring comic book artist to repeat the joke for the third time. Forever aspiring. Forever aspiring. But you are an official podcast um, guest. Yes, I actually like this. Thank you. You're not aspiring to that. No. It's here. It's happening. I've, I've achieved it. I like it until I don't like it. We'll see. <laughs> I think we're doing well. So we're here today to talk about Avengers Endgame, which is on its way to becoming the biggest film of all time. I'm, I'm praying it is the biggest film of all time. Praying? praying. For, I'm why hoping. are you using your prayers for this? Uh, because I fully support the end of the MCU, well, the, the current end of the MCU, the wrap-up. The, the end the of the years. Infinity Saga, yes. if you will. So this has been running since 2008. Iron Man, starring Robert Downey Jr., became an unexpected hit. Um, if, we, if we flash back even further... Um, to the late 1990s, Marvel was broke. They had to sell off the property or the the rights to all of their films, and the only ones that anyone wanted to buy were Fantastic Four, Spider Man, X Men, Daredevil, and nobody wanted the rest of these characters. They thought they were useless. Marvel decided to go their own way. They made Iron Man in 2008 when they were a lot more solvent, and it became a huge hit. It started. It kickstarted an entire universe. Still produced it. by uh, Feige, right? Kevin Feige. Yeah, Feige, who had previously done. A lot of the Marvel films, um, just not in an official Marvel capacity. It wasn't yeah. until 2008 that they were like, we're going to start this Well, that's the, that's the point. The point is Feige had a plan, and he stuck to his plan. And just, it was, I think it was impressive the amount of foresight he's had for this universe that he's building. It is amazing. And we did this, so it was set up at the end of the first Iron Man film. Samuel Jackson shows up as Nick Fury, the head of S.H.I.E.L.D., saying, I'm here to talk to you about the Avengers Initiative. I'm not going to do an impression. It's not going to happen. Um, and then we set up until 2012. We had the first Avengers film, which teamed up all the heroes that had had individual films as they went. And we saw this saga build where there were these Infinity Stones, these all-powerful stones that drove some of the plots of these films that acted as MacGuffins here and there. But it was all building to one man who was coming for them, who would take them, and if he got them... Well, we didn't know what he wanted to do. No. We didn't find out until Infinity War, which came out last year. 
Oh, until Thor Ragnarok, I still assumed the gauntlet that was on Asgard was real. Yeah. And Thor Ragnarok, she's like, no, this is fake. This is fake. This is fake. Oh, oh, excellent tactics, William. <laughs> you, no one's seen this, but <laughs> Bill moved the microphone a bit closer. A bit closer. I'm, I'm oh. getting, my production skills are getting better. Um, but yeah, that's the thing with, with Thanos, we didn't really hear him as a voice until Infinity War. And so this, both of these films were filmed concurrently. Mm. And the first film really centered on this villain who is coming to take over the universe. And that continues here a little bit, even though he's no longer centered in this second part in Endgame. Which, so basically if we go back to Infinity War, did you like Infinity War? I actually think Infinity War is my second favorite Marvel film. What's your first favorite? Uh, Winter Soldier. Winter Soldier. Winter Soldier is amazing. Um, but Practi- practical fighting, well shot, old ode to spy thrillers. It, it was just, it was the right thing for me. And it's Captain America. He's my favorite Avenger for some reason. Well, I, I think that they've really gotten. We, we can talk about Captain America. Yeah, yeah. More we'll, we'll have to as we go. At, at some point. But yeah, so the first part of the saga was all about Thanos. And should we start talking about Thanos? Yeah, we should. I think we'll it's, start with Thanos. When his first appearance is in the first Avengers film and the post credit scene, right? Yes. That's so the first he, time. Loki was the big bad in the mm. first Avengers film, but he was working for someone. We didn't know who it was, but we found out in the end credits scene that it was this intergalactic creature, all-powerful, or some powerful, aspiring to be. No, definitely. All-powerful. And that's, that, um, that, that scene with the aliens where Tony Stark tries to... His arc ends where he grows and sacrifices himself for the team, throws the nuke into the big space portal and mm-hmm. he sees all the aliens that kind of kickstarts his next arc of like this big fear of an oncoming alien invasion from yeah the first alien from the first avengers and thanos is it but the thing with I, I think so the russos we just talked about winter soldier the the russo brothers um anthony and joe took over the captain america franchise with winter soldier mm. knocked it out of the park they previously done arrested development community they weren't known to be these big budget action directors so they kind of essentially came out of nowhere in that sense. Um, but immediately they were kind of handed the reins. You know, Joss kind of, Joss Whedon, who had done the first Avengers film, the second Avengers film, kind of separated himself. He, he was a big um, creative force behind the first wave. I want to see, do we Marvel. know why he's left? I, I, I hear snippets and stories, but I'm never consistently sure of like the main reason why he, because he, he was signed on to do the Infinity War, well, Infinity War and Endgame before. I think it was... If I'm to speculate, because I don't know. Yeah. Um, but I think it was kind of too much for him. And I, I think that was one of the things that we saw as the Avengers films went on. The first film, he, even he knew it was flawed. I remember he did an announcement on his, his website afterwards saying, I'm so glad you guys have gotten behind this film that, you know, a lot, it's not a perfect film at all. And you rewatch it, the first act is a mess. Uh, agreed. But like it, my problem with the first film, like I'm, Story-wise, because it had an all-star cast, and how do you balance out this all-star cast? It was the first time. Well, yeah, I mean, aside from like, I know he was known for having a, kind of like a, a, a cast setting where he just is known for putting multiple characters up front in a film like Firefly and Serenity. He's great with ensembles. Yeah, but essentially, is what ensemble. Is what yeah. I'm trying to say, but um, I was a bit nervous about the Avengers coming together because it had Robert Downey Jr. and had Chris Evans, had Chris Hemsworth, like all these big names in one film. Yeah. It, was like, it, it wasn't just the names, too. It was the characters. characters. It was the fact that we had characters who would never be not on the top of a marquee all together at once, and you know, was, kind of seeding into the background and, and I think, playing off I mean, each other. I think he did the best he could do with, the, with, with what he's given, essentially. Yeah, and there were times when, when that film worked best, the first Avengers film, 
it was when the scale was biggest. Mm -hmm. You know, once the battle kicked in, once everything started to click, once you really saw them playing off each other, that was when that film popped. Yeah, no, I think my only problem with him is like when he shoots things, it looks like it's straight to film. It looks like he's shooting it for a TV series. That was my main problem with yeah, Avengers. He, 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 I mean, he, can't, he comes from TV. But that's Empire my problem. Slayer. That was my only problem with yeah, Avengers 1. Everything else different. I could forgive. Yeah. And I think when he also directed um, Avengers Age of Ultron. Age of Ultron felt like he had collapsed under the weight of his own ambition. The question is, do you think that was his ambition? Or do you think there was like, as with a lot of films we know, um, studio pressure like I'm a sure lot of the studio both. has like a lot of a lot of changes they require the whole thor being in a cave scene apparently that was controversial because he didn't want it in the film yeah uh, i think that you really saw that this is a tv series and ultimately it's almost the exact same as like a a u.s drama you know 22 episodes 22 films and so you're fitting things into a million different cogs. You're setting up the next um, Thor movie, as you were just bringing up. You're setting up this. You're setting up that. Everyone has to have their own um, moments. Everyone has to have their own through lines to their stories. And there's so, so you can't really just do your own film. You're having to fit things into a puzzle. And so I think someone like Joss, who's used to being the showrunner, he didn't really um, fit with having to not just follow his own vision. No. And, but I... The film also just, when the second film popped, only when it was small scale. You know, that little scene when they're all sitting there and they have Thor's hammer, me and Air, and they're all trying to pick it up. And only Captain America can pick it up a little bit. Thor looks nervous. That scene is great. Those that scenes... sells it. That, to me, that's still one of the most memorable scenes in that film. It's the character interactions together, essentially. Yeah, but then you get to the big bad, you know, this big evil robot who wants to take over the universe. It's interesting that we're talking about uh, Avengers Age of Ultron, because... Our disagreement on Thor comes from there. I'm going to reference this movie when we talk about Thor. Yeah, we'll get, to, we'll, <laughs> we'll get to it. I'm just giving you a heads up. Supposedly we're talking about Thanos right now, but we're not. We'll get there. Um, this, I guess it's hard to talk about the Marvel Universe without talking about how all of these different cogs fit. But I think that talking about the, the way the Russos were able to do this, so Joss kind of wasn't able to. You know, He, he dropped the ball with Avengers of Age of Ultron. That movie didn't really stick. It didn't really pop. There's so no. many arcs in that that just don't stick in your mind. Um, if you talk about, you know, even Vision and, and Wanda, I just don't find them memorable characters because they're, the foundation that was built in, in Age of Ultron when they were introduced just didn't work for me. And Ultron was also an uneven character, but I did appreciate that he added a lot of depth to him. So if you rewatch it, I've, I've seen it recently. Um, even though he's had a disagreement with Wanda towards the end when, when she rips Ultron's heart out, he does tell her, like, if you stay on this place, you will die. Showing that he actually does care for her, even though they've had a disagreement. So that it's, it's, he's three-dimensional, but again, it's, an, it's like a flawed movie overall. Yeah, so there's things in it that work. Yeah. And I, I think a lot of the Marvel movies work that way. Like, I think Tony's arc, for example, in Iron Man 2 is great. Yeah. Even though the all of the rest of it doesn't really work. No, no I agree. I do think so. Uh, and like, I, I the first preferred, Captain America film. I would have preferred Demon in a Bottle, but like, I, I understand why no one went there. Yeah, yeah, fair. But no, like the first Captain America film, I, I find that the character setup stuff, great. And then you get to the... Everything with Red Skull, everything with World War II. It's is clunky. Just, it feels a bit clunky. It's like I can't even focus on it. It's like the movie just ends and my brain refuses to watch the rest. Like, <laughs> I can't do it. I'm like, okay, we saw what we needed. Let's get on with it. Goodbye, Sebastian Stan. My God. Farewell. Poor Sebastian Stan. Um, but he'll, he's going to get a TV show apparently, so I think he'll... I'm, he'll I'm okay with that. Yeah, so anyway. Um, so the Russos took, um, basically after Age of Ultron, they kind of had... a I call it um, Avengers 
with Captain America: Civil War, which to me it was, is it is ca- it is Avengers two point five. They're all the, the cast is there. Yeah, and it, to me, it's kind of a do over from Avengers two. It's mm. that you were able to do it right. You know, do the the character action, make it more about them and their own drama than oh, well, let's have a new big bad and make it bigger than better than ever before. You know, stick with what works. It was almost like to me, it felt like an audition. Like, look, we can do the Avengers together. Well, I, I think that Winter Soldier was enough foundation for anything. Hey, um, the, Winter Soldier to me is akin to like Michelangelo. You the, do, give me an fresco, <laughs> and then his first fresco <laughs> is the Sistine Chapel ceiling, which is magnificent. Same thing. They're like, hey, give right. us, give us a, give us a Captain America film, and they gave they gave us Winter Soldier. That's true. Like you couldn't really have topped that. But I think what worked about. Civil War is that every single character's perspective was incredibly clear. Mm-hmm. So you had this, you know, all these machinations. You have this, you know, huge disagreement um, between Iron Man, Tony Stark, Steve Rogers, Captain America, and but it was really their fundamental opposition in what they're even thinking about the situation. You know, why they're sticking to each side, why they're fighting. It wasn't like a we're not going to get into an argument about it, like a Batman versus Superman, where it's just like, why is this fight even happening? It was very, very clear why everyone was doing what they're doing. And I think that that shows that that's how the Russos have been able to navigate moving to bigger and bigger scales because they've always focused the characters at the center of it and their perspective and why they're doing what everyone they're doing. Had, everyone had a clear motivation. Everyone had a clear follow-through. It was just, it was great all and the that, way to the end. Yeah, exactly. And that, so that's why Infinity War works for me because even though this is the biggest, grandest, we're bringing in the Guardians of the Galaxy, we're bringing in characters who've never been in the Avengers films before. It's like more characters than any film other than this could really manage to have but by centering Thanos and having this bad guy with a clear perspective it becomes a very watchable film because one the characters are, are broken and they all have their own motivations but mainly because Thanos is the glue that holds it all together he's very magnetic he has emotion he's a three-dimensional character and he's got a clear reason he doesn't want to take over the world because he's the big bad guy and wants to take over the world he wants to do something right for the universe do I think that it's right? No, that's kind of where Thanos falls apart. That's fu- that's fine. I the thing is he doesn't fall apart for me at all. Like I understand that he is he is the Mad King, the Mad Titan Thanos. Yeah. So he is mad. It's in it's in his like label. It's in his name. But um, what I what, what I found that was attractive to Thanos was the fact that I never saw anyone work so hard at trying to achieve what he wants and yeah. sacrificing so much. Like it's a villain who sacrifices everything, literally everything he like he holds dear. He's a sacri- one sacrifice after the other. To achieve a goal. That's hard not to root for. Yeah, and one of the greatest shots in Infinity War, I watched it for a third time yesterday, um, is after he sacrifices his daughter. Yeah, no, that's incredible. The face. That's some of the best computer acting I've seen <laughs> in my life. I, mean, I don't know how much of that it's was It's Josh, Josh Brolin's face. It is Josh Just Brolin's like face. like extended on Photoshop. Just Fair. the perspective tool. It was great. Make his chin bigger. It was like... The purple, I think, really made those emotions pop. <laughs> <laughs> but we didn't even say what his emotion is. So his plan was that he wants to wipe out all, like, half of the life in the universe. Because the biggest problem in the universe is that a lack of resources. And so if we cut everything down to half, then all those, the rest of the remaining life in the universe is able to utilize and share those resources to a much better degree than overpopulation. Yeah. Um, and, it's really stupid, man. Have you, have you read the Have you read the counter arguments? Like all these little memes that pop up on Twitter, like, "Oh yeah, why don't you just double resources?" <laughs> yeah, like that's. But to me, literally all he does. So Thanos um, snaps. So he he's looking to all for all these Infinity Stones that he's able to put them all in a gauntlet, which is basically a big golden glove. Why is it called a gauntlet? I don't know. Because that's what a gauntlet is. Yes, it's a glove. I want to say that, and it's a big cup. 
<laughs> okay. I don't know. That, I know. That's, that's, hey, you're asking the foreigner here. Things we should have looked this into. This is your language. Before. That's fair. Um, but so he wants to put all these things together so he can snap his fingers and snap out half the life of the universe. Yeah. He succeeds in the end of Infinity War. He gets his wish. But all he's done is snapped back the universe to the population of 1985? Yes. What? What is that noise? That's Thanos. He's coming for you. <laughs> no, no. I shouldn't have questioned it. <laughs> He's about to walk in here and snap his finger so that you vanish. Yeah. Half the team will remain. So that's where we're set up in, in, in Infinity War. So coming into Endgame, I, I guess what you expected... What, were, what did you expect Endgame to be? I knew it was going to involve... Um, spoilers, spoilers. So let's full, we're yeah. full spoilers at this point. I knew Sorry, it was going to involve some form of time travel. I knew it was going to involve the... Uh, like the, the 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 small what was it called the the, the realm that he goes into quantum realm. the quantum oh, he's going to involve the quantum realm somehow but you expected Thanos to be you know just as powerful as I he expected was. I expected the Thanos that I know to come back and that would be the big bad yeah but okay so I, I think the shocking thing about the way Endgame starts is that they find Thanos but it's shown to that if you use the Infinity Gauntlet if you use the powers of these you know all powerful stones. It basically brings you to the brink of death. So yeah. he's this weak little thing. Um, they kill him basically instantaneously. Yeah, but like the reason he's also weak is because he destroyed the stones. Yes. So he used so the he Infinity Gauntlet twice. twice, which left him in a severely damaged state. Yes. So he's but he's basically out of the picture. You know, as the film goes on, we can go into you know how it develops, but we do bring back Thanos because they they find a version of Thanos in the past. 2014, I think. The 2014 Thanos, who ends up coming um, back to the future for the big battle at the end. And as he's there, so Thanos has learned everything that happens. He knows that he succeeded, ultimately. Um, but now he knows that they're trying to undo what he was trying to do. So he comes to try to defeat them. He brings all of his, the Black Order, the, his big, bad, the big bad minions. Like Everyone comes to ultimately fight and try to right the wrong um, in on redoing what they had just undone precisely um and then but then he gives more more speechifying more moralizing he starts to say you know i, I think you guys so basically what the film the film cuts to five years later um everyone has had a really hard time the world is basically in shambles everything has fallen apart everyone's mourning and trying to get over the morning yeah all the baseball st like the world is in ruins it's basically apocalyptic the only thing that's doing well in this universe is one tony stark because he's got a kid and a wife and he's happy he's living by a lake and two audi is doing great as a company they're releasing they're future cars <laughs> all over the place i want those cars they look great audi never stops the only explanation for me is that thanos and audi have a tie-up deal and so they were the that, only people who were not happen. affected right <laughs> the audis look we'll, great we'll give film. you germany just, give it, just let us keep the company <laughs> So, um, so basically, though, but Thanos is his first uh, his um, his first philosophy is that he wants to wipe out half the universe. Now he says that he's going to get the gauntlet again, and he wants to snap out all life in the universe and, and restart it. Restart it with new life, half the number, or some 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 weird philosophy. I this is where he drops and becomes like villain number five hundred and something. Yeah, like. Thanos just kind of, he doesn't make any, he, no, first, he, he didn't make any sense to begin with, but at least it's a popular theory that he has. I, I want to say, like, overpopulation theory. No, it made sense to me, but like, I, I, it just, it doesn't make sense if you're like, it makes sense if you're a misanthrope, 
but it, it doesn't make sense if you're like logical and a, per, a normal person would never say kill half the half the population. But I mean, the thing with even if you snapped back the universe to the population in 1985, it's just going to reach the population again. So the fact that he then destroyed the stones, feeling like he'd done it, it's like won't those 30 years pass and won't the population like he won't be around for that. Creatures reach their carrying capacity within two generations. Yeah. That's just science. It's it's uh, Thanos was basically just obsessed with this idea because he couldn't get it through in his planet and his planet died because of it so i guess the in part of his character just this mad obsession over this idea that it has to work it's the only idea he has and it's gonna work <laughs> and he carries it through that's fair i guess he doesn't really have anyone to challenge him and be like no 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 and he first saw firsthand the destruction that happened to his planet so he's doubly motivated doesn't have to think it through much but you know it's sad and so one of the big problems for me is that nobody ever counters that like these films never say like you know what? This guy's kind of dumb. <laughs> you know what I mean? No, because it's obvious. Like, no one has to say it. I think it's, they do. No, no one has to say it. It's clearly wrong. It's clearly dumb. Well, any is... sane person with like two brain cells is going to be like, let's not kill half the universe. But that's the thing. It, the question is, one, is it bad to kill half the universe because it's wrong to kill people? Yes, obviously. We but all but also, that. like Captain but two, America, would also, that even solve the problem? No, but hold on. Captain America also said he tells Vision clearly, like one person dying is more than enough. Like he will never sacrifice a single person. Oh, but that's that's a different. Like that's the moral basis. Like yeah, okay, can you fine. Kill? But then there's just the scientific basis. Like it wouldn't even solve the problem. But that's irrelevant to the but film. To me, that that's where the like the that's where the tension falls apart with Thanos because he wouldn't. If Thanos is if Thanos was ultimately right, then the way that Killmonger was right in Black Panther, like Killmonger was fully right um, in everything that he was diagnosing, he just was going about it the wrong way. That's I'm, a much better villain. I'll be honest, when Killmonger said "burn me in the sea like my ancestors," my first thought was like Bin Laden, <laughs> and then he carried on the line. I was like, oh, well, the, the, like the influence these films have of 9/11 continually is. <laughs> I'm like, oh, is a thing. I mean, I don't know. Is a thing though. That's for sure. I think it's on purpose. <laughs> that was my interpretation. But I don't know. I mean, I, I think that, I know. I hadn't thought about it that way. I'm I, just thinking about it, just like the the global north versus global south. Um, you know, racism. Yeah. Like, um, but, but like, I don't think that's relevant to this particular storyline. I think there's yeah, like, fair. I think I think also like when you just I'm thinking about from this from the particular like just from the side of the writers and side of the directors. That would be too hard to put in at that point in time because you're already juggling so many pieces. Yeah, fair. And remember, Infinity War was, like, I'm surprised it was not three hours. It's like two hours and 30, two and a half, two, yeah. two and a half hours. And there's so many characters in it. There's so many stories. Like, yeah. It was just so many objectives that had to come together. Yeah. and But I, I think that Thanos, he still has his gravitas, but I feel like he really falls apart here. Like, he's still a great big bad. He's not my great big bad. I think my problem was that they used the 2014 Thanos, not the original Thanos. He doesn't know any of these characters. Yeah. He's like, he, he has, there's no gr actual gripes between them. Yeah, and so they, that even plays out um, when Wanda, um, the Scarlet Witch, comes yeah. back. And An like, amazing scene. And she's just like, yeah, but she's just like, you took everything. And he's like, I don't, I don't know even you know are. you. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, does that make it better? No, like, but she's like, you will. And then she proceeds to crush him, which is great. For a minute. For a minute. Fine. That's, I'm sure that's, he, the, that's, that's all I wanted, just a minute. He was being crushed after... I feel like he still doesn't know Scarlet Witch at that point. I don't feel like she achieved no, it's her not, it's, it's, it's not, you know, again, like I She's said, motivating herself, I yes. guess. Um, I've already said, like, him being a big bad didn't work. Like, the 2014 version of Thanos that was a big bad didn't work for me. Yeah, fair. So I, I feel like even his philosophy doesn't make any sense here. Like, he's just 
kind of generic villain by the end I of this film. Yes. But the way that Endgame works, um, well, we'll get to that actually, because I wanted, to, I, I was able to sit down with the Russos, and I asked them specifically about you know Thanos's ideology, and here's what they told me. <laughs> Yeah, seriously. No, I've, I've been. There's sometimes when it's like that moment in um, Beetlejuice when yeah. they don't know that they're dead. Sometimes I yeah. worry that's happened to me. Like maybe I died back there and I'll just keep going. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, let's not talk about Endgame. We'll talk around right. Endgame. Yeah, let's talk around. <laughs> well, one thing I wanted to talk with you guys about was Thanos. Can we talk about Thanos? Yeah, sure. Because I think Thanos or Thanos. Thanos. Okay. Thanos. Yeah. Is that an alternate pronunciation? No, it's just a, a weird uh, fan theory that's going oh, on. Oh, right, the Thanos thing. You're yeah. right. <laughs> I was actually told to ask them about the Thanos thing. Do you guys have a reaction to that? It's hilarious. It's very I want to know who came up with it. Yeah. We might want to hire him as a writer on our next comedy gig. Seriously, but um, but yeah, I think that the, the whole like Thanos is right culture as well is really interesting. I know you guys are really yeah. engaged with how people react to a movie. Yeah. And so one of the things I think we didn't get in Infinity War was an ideological reaction to him, because obviously you guys are very concerned about perspective of each character, but we really only get Gamora's reaction to Thanos in like the way he's even processing the world, not just what he wants to do, but even the problems that he's addressing. Well, yeah. Listen, certainly there are things about him that are uh, uh, compelling, mm -hmm. but he's still a sociopath. He still threw his daughter off a cliff and he still killed yeah. half the universe. So. I think while that people may admire, yeah, intentions. yeah. people while people may admire uh, um, his, uh, you know, some of his personality and some of his dedication and his uh, his philosophy, ultimately the way he went around about it was um, was was insane. Mm. I mean, did you feel a responsibility to counter that with with the characters in this? I mean, obviously, you can't tell me. No, we try to. We, yeah. we, we look. We love complicated characters. We yeah. like our heroes complicated, and we like our villains complicated. So, um, you know, we and we think the audience, you know, is smart enough to know the difference uh, between um, what's what's right and wrong, and sort of like, I mean, our job is just to create a narrative and cre create characters that seem relatable and ex and excitable for whatever reason. Maybe it's because they're endearing. Maybe it's because they're threatening. Whatever the case may be, but. Um, yeah, Thanos is, you know, here's the thing. Thanos is cast, like, what he did cast a long shadow. I mean, it affects everybody in the universe, obviously. Mm -hmm. So moving forward from this moment with the storytelling, you know, this is very much about what, how, do you, how do you move forward from a moment like that? How do you move forward from an experience like that, a loss like that, mm -hmm. and, and death like that? You know, it's like, and how does a hero do that, do those things? And... Um, I think that that's very much yeah. our jumping no, off. No, no villain thinks they're a villain. Mm. Uh, that's the that's where we like to look at the perspective of like, all right, well, what are they? What do they believe? I mean, we have a sort of collective idea of what we think morality is, and you know, a villain stands outside of that, you know, collective uh, notion of morality. But they're saying, uh, hey, this is the center, uh, and where you're at is is incorrect. So mm. yeah. that's what we tr that's the picture we try to paint with with um, our villains is that they're. They, they, they believe themselves to be right. Mm. Maybe we can get a snap for distribution of resources instead That's of right. just <laughs> yes. next time. But um, yeah, what was your, what were you most focused on executing for this, in, in particular with Endgame? I, obviously nobody likes superlative questions, so sorry about that, but what was the, the hardest part to make work about this film? For Endgame? Yeah. 
Oh boy, it's hard to get too well, specific about ending. I would just say, but, just as an ending, it's yeah. complicated. I mean, yeah. there are you know we're wrapping up the original the original six Avengers story mm. that's been going on for ten years and woven through eleven franchises. It's that was the most complicated part was just really trying to coalesce all of that, frankly, into a three hour runtime. You know, not not have it go any longer. Mm. And would you guys ever want to work on a scale like this again? Because you've gone. From big to big to big to big. Obviously, your next film with, with Tom is going to be a bit smaller. But That's right. do you want to eventually go back to a scale like this? I mean, I think we we feel very comfortable with it. You know, we like we love using all the tools that cinema cinema can 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 provide us as as storytellers and as filmmakers. So there is a part of us that loves working at this scale. Uh, we love having global ambitions with these stories so that audiences around the world can experience something collectively and have a dialogue about it collectively. Um, so we do like working at this level. That being said, no, that we, you know, this is a specific way of working and you know, our next movie is gonna be quite small in comparison. Mm -hmm. Excellent. Thank you guys so much. All right. Thank pleasure. you thank very you. much. Pleasure, thank Appreciate you. It. Mm -hmm. See you guys later. Anthony and Joe, directors of Avengers Endgame. So let's talk about the way that the rest of the characters play out. Because basically what happens at the end of Infinity War is Thanos snaps out half the universe and basically snaps out all the Avengers except the original six. Very convenient. Um, and yeah, because they're... <laughs> the untouchables, clearly. <laughs> Their contracts are up, so we got to use them the best to our degree. <laughs> Um, so the original six Avengers are Iron Man, Captain America, Thor, Hulk, Hawkeye, and Black Widow. And how do you... So do you feel like this film is the ultimate conclusion for each of those characters? Do you like where how each of those characters develop here? Who do, who do you think that they really nailed in this film? I have to say Stark and uh, Captain Rogers, Steve Rogers, they get the... Like they get a... Proper so, finale. Pro proper so, finale. Again, full spoilers. Yeah, but like no, but they they all get their like character wishes fulfilled essentially. Uh, Stark gets to rest finally. He had this entire worry that was over his head his entire life mm -hmm. is resolved. Yeah, and he's the one who resolved it. He took care of it. Yeah, I mean it sucks, but if it's one hell of a send off. But uh, I think Tony like this has been Iron Man's franchise in a lot of ways. It ends with him as well. And this is he's the one that makes the most sense. Um, here, I think that his send-off here um, just shows how well they've developed this character. Agreed. Um, so basically, it was set up in the end of Infinity War that Benedict Cumberbatch, um, his Doctor Strange, yeah. has the time stone. He's able to look through all of time, and he saw 14 million ways in which this story could play out. He only saw one in which we won. And he looks at Tony, and he basically says, this is the only way. Um, and he gives away the stone to Thanos disappears when Thanos snaps him away and so we're basically we know that Tony Stark had to survive to have this ending happen and everything kind of centers around him um, and so basically when we jump to five years later Tony is as I said before with his his wife and kid he's basically become you know completely happy and then a possible like he's moved on he's the only one that's properly moved mm -hmm. on um, with this terrible thing that's happened He's living in this idyllic world. Um, and then when they come up with a possible solution, when Ant-Man comes out of the quantum realm, 
realizes that maybe we can travel through time using the quantum realm. Do you think, I keep hearing this, do you think that was the one in 14 million chance solution that the mouse or rat touches the right buttons and summons him back from the quantum realm? Yeah, man. Do you think this is the one in 14 million chance that Strange was talking about? That's the one. Cause, yeah, because otherwise it would be convenient. It would be very convenient. <laughs> it's a fairly, you need to have a rat deus ex <laughs> retina. <laughs> It has to happen. You know, Machina refers to the machine, right? Yes. Yeah. The yes. rat technically is the god that's descending from the machine. Oh, fair. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> Ratus ex machina. There you go. There we go. Is Thank that, you. Is that? Uh, we got it. I'll leave the Latin to you. Carry that's on. That's not what rat is. No. <laughs> anyway, so. Rodentus ex he, machina. Oh, outstanding. So he brings, um, brings Ant Man uh, Langs. Yeah, so but we don't need to get into the, the no? nitty gritty of how they do it. Let's just talk about what this means for no, well, for Tony. Yeah. So they they come up with a possible way, which is time travel. Tony says, "Well, I think Tony's real opposition for it is not that it's impossible, but that he just desperately doesn't want to undo what he's been able to build. He's reached his ending. He's you gotten know? over it. He's, he's started something. Tony has reached his happy ending, and he has this sinking feeling in his gut that if he goes through with this, if he goes and and helps them and, and saves the world, saves everyone else, brings all the people back that Thanos snapped out of existence. He'll jeopardize his beautiful life. Yeah, and he has this great scene with um, with Gwyneth Paltrow, who plays Pepper Potts, his wife, saying, you know, I feel like I just... He solves the, the, the problem of time travel, invents a time machine, effectively, <laughs> and he's like, I kind of just want to throw this in the lake and go to bed. And she's like, but you'll be able to rest. And that's his, that's his entire thing, though. He's never been able to rest since he's seen the dream. That's how, that's how Ultron happened. That's how all this stuff happens. He's just never been able to get can, over that. So the question is, can he choose himself and still be satisfied with himself? You know, can he... Is his happy ending his happy ending? And that's the duality with this character. And that's what I, I think... There's so much depth in the way that they've developed that because we, we've shown, you know, Howard Stark, his father, was a guy who cared about him but was ultimately selfish. You know, yeah. he was a guy who chose himself. You know, he helped, you know, develop the Captain America program. But Tony kind of always resented him because mm. he was never able to... Be a father. And be a father. Like, choose others. Yeah. He was always focused on his work. And so Tony recognizes that inclination in him, you know, the inclination to be selfish. But he knows that every time that he does choose himself he ends up unsatisfied yep and so as we go through this as we you know they go through time they get back the infinity stones from another time they bring it back they snap back everyone into existence thanos comes um benedict cumberbatch comes back and looks at him and says now we've reached the end game if i tell you what's going to happen it won't happen yeah i think tony knows to a degree yeah no he i think he figured he it knew, out he knew from the beginning he knew that this I mean, he gives a speech to Cap where he's like, if we come out of this and there's, like, a chance, you know, they come out of this and, like, a chance that I could still keep my life with my wife and kid, that would be, the, like, the best possible outcome. That's the only possible outcome. Yeah. Like, he wants to have everything that he's built, he wants to remain, but he has understood that he will not be able to remain with mm. it. And so he ultimately takes the stones from Thanos. He snaps out all Thanos' minions and Thanos out of existence. In doing so, kills himself. And says, I am Iron Man. Yes. It's a callback. Which is like a good meta kind of reference to like the first like the first Iron Man film. And ends you know, with I am Iron Man and then The Black Sabbath song from which he's taking that line. 
Which is the only way that it works, we have yeah. to say yeah, that. No, no, I, I, if it's not I, a Black Sabbath reference, No, I, I agree, 100%. <laughs> I agree 100%. <laughs> so Tony has this wonderful arc. And because we get such a satisfying conclusion for him, it kind of threw me off when we also have other conclusions here, but they don't. They feel kind of thrown in. Um, Black Widow, for example, she goes off, and one of the stones is the Soul Stone, and you have to give up the ultimate sacrifice I, in order to get I it. I was way okay with... Like, I would have been 100% fine with Clint leaping to his death. Yeah, that's the thing, because... And I would have loved, what's her name, Natasha, to have, like, a happy ending. To have, like, maybe something happen with the Hulk, finally. We, or it's like, hey, I know yeah. it's weird, but, like, they, they had chemistry together. So. They did have chemistry. Um, but I, I feel like the two characters that have been failed the most by the Avengers series are the characters who have existed basically only in the Avengers series, which are Black Widow and Hawkeye. They keep referencing stories that we've never seen. They keep talking about Budapest. Yeah. Um, but basically the funny thing about all of their character development and all of the references back, or they're referencing back to other conversations to a thing we've never seen. So we're supposed to be nostalgic for a conversation they had about something that they're nostalgic for in another movie. That's not going to Like, that's a great indication of how poorly these characters have been developed. Like, they're know. showing us nothing. We're only getting what well, they're we, telling us. I, I think... Uh, what's I think Black Widow actually was developed a lot more than Hawkeye. I think she was more of a character. I think you saw her in. Uh, I think you uh, like I liked her relationship with uh, Captain America. But she was never able think... to be centered. She was always like in relation to other people, and her development just always felt secondary. Hmm. But like but... she was developed. You're right. She was developed, but she always felt like she was in the background. And I think even Scarlet has talked about that herself. Like she has. Um, in the you know the big press conference that they did right before it came out, in a lot of ways at the time she was one of the boys. Yeah, she was the only girl in this, and the series as it's gone on and as the criticisms rose and rose that they weren't really centering women, they have centered women. Um, we got Captain. Yeah, we got Captain <laughs> Marvel, but then it's just like okay, now it's Captain Marvel's universe. Goodbye, Black Widow. And yeah, she is killed off in this film. It. I'd have taken Black Widow over Captain Marvel any time of the day. Yeah, hundred percent. And uh, so I, I think I'll that... be honest. Also, like uh, this is not hating on the Captain Marvel film. It's just that Carol Danvers in the hi in her history really has never been interesting until Rogue took all her powers. Yeah, she's not as interesting a character as is Black Widow. Yeah, Black Widow is a complicated character, and so we feel like unfulfilled a bit with her because we've never got. That... I think we are going to get her film. I think we are. I think that's still being made. But it, I, yeah, it is. But it... I don't. But that's. Like, Black Widow's end is the one that, like, left a bad taste in my mouth. Yeah. Because then it's completely overshadowed by Tony Stark. Yeah. And that's just... I, that was really unfair. That yeah. was really unfair. Yeah. Um, Paul Rudd, I think, um, he was also brought in here, but he's also brought in here because just they need the quantum realm. <laughs> did you feel like this film did him did him well? Like, was that character done well? Because he was brought in in addition to the original Six Avengers. I think... Well, I think his role... Got grew smaller as the plot went ahead, but I did like him. Pun intended. <laughs> God damn. Ant Man shrinks down. But like, um, no, I I think he like he was integral to introducing the idea, and I think he played his role really well, like helping them out yeah. as a support character. He was great. Yeah. He's always he's always ever going to be a support character. Yeah. But I'm gonna like. He even feels like a supporting like, character in his own films. At yes. This point. Like yeah, in, yeah, yeah, yeah. In Wasp. But like, I will forever love Scott Lang for saying this is America's ass. That is true. He did give us that. <laughs> he gave me that. And I will never forget it so long as I live. Okay, before we get into a talk yeah. about Captain America, I also was able to sit down with Scarlett Johansson and Paul Rudd. So let's hear our conversation. Hey, 
So happy birthday. Thank you. By the way. Thank you. Yeah, I had a gigantic beard and like my hair was all long and I realized I was going to meet Paul Rudd so I just had to look good. Oh, you look nice. sharp. Oh, that's nice. That's really nice. Yeah. No one ever cleans up for me. <laughs> I, got, I have beard uh, envy. It's a nice beard. It's a nice full beard you're sporting. And you've trimmed Thank it you. on the side. Trimmed it on the side. Yeah. It's good. Process, Never thought though. this interview would start with so much manscaping chat. But. That's what we're going for. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, how's the, how's the day been so far of deflecting and telling people we can't talk about this, we can't talk about that? Um, I mean, dealing with this much... Um, you know, secretive nature of this film. I've gotten really jaded about it. Now I'm real mean about it. I'm just like, next. Right. I, before, we, like in the beginning of this kind of press tour, I would we would try to all kind of skirt around it in these cute ways, and now we're just like... Be apologetic in yeah, some now way. Not, now now just, it's just... You've gotten real... It's like, we all know the story. Rough we around can't the say edges. anything, and it's, it's hard for us, but it's harder for you. Yeah. Mm. Um, and it's tricky. So then I feel like... Early on, we decide what what should we talk about. What's we could talk about other stuff like manscaping or uh, yeah. you know full on beard interview. Just go for it. That's but yeah, it. I'll never not talk about that. <laughs> One thing I do want to talk about though is that you guys are in a really unique position with these films in that you can stick with a character as if you know you're on this gigantic scale TV show for years and years, letting them develop. Also, I think that as a viewer, you've seen I think more of yourselves come to the characters. Like they were very defined at first. And now they seem to be, you guys have gotten a lot more comfortable just being these characters. So how has that development process been from your perspective? Um, yeah, it's, it's again, I mean, I think I echo what you just said, but it is sort of unprecedented. It, it's really an opportunity you really only get working on a very successful TV show to be able to play character for a decade of time. And then also we've had this kind of luxury of like going away and doing other work and then coming back to these movies and going away and doing other work and then coming back to these movies and so we've all kind of grown or certainly I can only speak from my own experience but I feel that I've also grown very much as an actor um, and then I think that there's I don't believe that I could have played this character in its kind of current state and certainly as you see her in Endgame like this is just the right time in my life to be able to play a character that's fully realized like this and it very much echoes my own journey as a as an actor and as a person, um, yeah, it's. I mean, who could have ever imagined that these, we would this would be so explosive? It's crazy. It's it's mind blowing, um, really. How about for in developing Scott? Well, it's you know you it isn't. It's nice. Sometimes you finish a movie and when you're done filming it, you think, oh, now I'd like to start it because I have a mm. sense of the character. And and in this one, there's several chances. Characters morph; they grow as we do as, as people. And you know, I'm different than I was three years ago or four years ago. And you get to bring different. You just get to know the character more. You get to know the world more, the other actors better. And uh, and so as a result, you get to go even deeper with the character. And then there's also really fun things. I look at Thor in the first Thor movie. That I look at uh, him in Ragnarok, and I mean, what a crazy amazing journey that character has been on and, and and these films provide us the opportunity to explore many different facets of character mm. excellent well, thank you guys so much thank you thanks a lot <laughs> very quick all right so it's almost like i'm in the same room with you it's right? great it is crazy it's just they're like just, hovering over them. they're just sitting here now <laughs> yeah it's great like, sorry scarlet and Paul. They're just going to listen to us talk for a while. Uh, it was really rude. But um, let's talk about Captain America in front of them. Um, 
he as a like we have set up from the first film so we'll go back from the first captain america film he uh, was this puny little guy who was too weak and sickly in order to potentially become um even in the army at all he gets brought into this super soldier program he's given a serum he's the only person that's ever turned into a superhero using the serum becomes big and strong joins the army as like their lead um, new hero um he meets this woman um margaret carter yes who is another agent of a new um newly formed shield and they immediately fall in love yo yo just saying this because we're talking about captain america yeah what a waste natalie dormer was in that film did you re- do you realize who she was no natalie dormer was in that film. she's she's the person who gives captain america a kiss mm. that peggy carter plays off and gets pissed off at mm. she's that character really? she's just there to give chris evans a kiss natalie dormer I am so mad. I am so mad at this information. That's fair. Okay, but um, so the way that basically he never gets to be with his love. No, she. He, he, sac- he once would argue he sacrificed the most. He did because he basically um, falls into the ice to sacrifice himself to save everyone else at the end of the first Captain America film. Gets frozen for seventy years. Woken up. And that's really where his character starts to work in this universe mm. because all of a sudden he's a man out of time. He's, um, and that's one thing I think that Joss really added to this world is making him kind of a dork, making him just really not fit in. Language. Did, um, did, did Cap just say language? <laughs> <laughs> I understood that reference. Like he's he's a, he's a um, he's kind of a. I don't even want to say a doofus, but he's not. He, no, no, no. He is like in the first Avengers when she when. Thor kidnaps Loki from the plane and he goes after them and Black Widow warns him and cautions him. These are like gods. And he and his reply is, there's only, there's only one god, ma'am. He doesn't dress like... <laughs> like he's not dressed like that. Essentially, he just jumps out and you're like, I love you for who you are. You're so great. Yeah, because he's also got this purity to him too. Exactly. And so that moral purity is actually what makes his films work as well. He's like, supposed to be the best of us. That's because, why Winter Soldier works. Yes. Because he's the best of us. He's capturing, you know... These sort of classic values of what he's very clear on what right and wrong is, and I think that ties back a lot to World War II. And it's not necessarily being the last war when it was clearly right and wrong, right? And it's it's not necessarily like feasible or logical for for the most part, but he makes it so. Yeah, you know. Yeah. So as the world has grown more complicated, he has not. No. And so he doesn't fit in in the same way that you know the characters who are able to adapt. Like he's never actually able to adapt. And this film. There's been this horrible event. We've lost half of the universe, and everyone's forced to adapt. And so Captain America here is leading support groups and helping other people adapt. And the funny thing is he's not necessarily – he's teaching them to adapt, not necessarily to the situation. He's still trying to adapt to his initial move into the future. Yeah. He's still not moved on from that. He doesn't know – like, it's Losing so it, good. Yeah, it's just it so is. good watching him, like, helping people, even though he doesn't necessarily believe in everything he says. He's just trying to convince himself and others yeah. to move on and all that. And he just hasn't. Yeah, he still hasn't. The best of us. The be- he lost his person. You know, he had his snap um, just and to time. I was about to say, yeah. He's, he's lost twice now. <laughs> yeah. And so, but he's unable to move on. And they keep showing us, you know, the fact that he did meet the love of his life and was never able to move on from her. She died at the beginning of the second, America, uh, second Captain America film. No, she dies in the beginning of the third. Avengers 2.5. In Civil War, she does. Yes. Oh yeah, you're right. She does. You're right. No, and and unfortunately for us, he meets her. He meets her, and we're all sitting there crying our eyes out. Yeah. When he meets a an older, uh, sickened, yeah, Carter, and she like 
is only lucid for a few minutes and then she'd wake up again and she's like starts crying because steve is back yeah and he's still there talking to her it's heartbreak it's, it's awful it, it was all right i, I got i'm good let's go it, it's all it, it is really emotional so we, they, they did him really dirty in these films like <laughs> we're gonna tear your love we're gonna make you watch her die attend her funeral and then you're never gonna be able to move on or never be able to fit into this world and even though he is you know the number one hero he doesn't want to be there man no no he not hates, at all he hates every second of his existence <laughs> which is why again captain america is always like he's my favorite no matter what happens i just love him so much yeah uh, there's so much pathos in that character also chris evans really grew into captain america for a while i didn't buy him as captain america but he really owned up to it. Because he's, he's got this like inherent sincerity in him. And so because he's able to channel that sincerity into this extremely sincere to a fault character, it just it's the one of the best melds of you know character and person that we've ever seen in like, right. this sort of scenario. Like, he is Captain America. Falcon he does have America's ass. Is screwed. So we see three times in Endgame him open his his compass, see um, that Haley, was excessively Haley unfair. Atwell or, or Margaret Carter. That was I, I thought that was incredibly like that was it's too much. Well, it's too much because it's clearly the directors are like, hey, look, look at this guy looking at the love of his life. Yeah, three like, times. So with easy. a compass. It is his moral compass. <laughs> <laughs> like you just you just see that and you're like you're manipulating me. Now this is clearly manipulation. Yeah, for sure because they need to try to make the story. Um, the beats work even to people who've Agreed. forgotten about the. Other no, things. I agree. We see the the compass three times and then. After we've already lost Iron Man, after you know we feel like we've already hit the the emotional climax of the film, um, they're ha- doing when they took the Infinity Stones from time, they did so with the agreement that they would return them to where they're supposed to be in time. Yes. Um, to stop you know the reality from shredding into multiple different directions, and so they say, okay, man, go back in time, take as long as you need, place the Infinity Stones. We'll see you back here in five seconds. The five seconds passes, and Steve does not return. And we're sitting there with Falcon. We're sitting there um, with well, Bucky, soldier. with with Hulk, and they see someone sitting in a bench off the distance. And they walk a, over, and it's an old Captain. America. It's old Captain America, and he went back to the past. And as Tony had said, "You need to get a life." He said, "I'm going to get some of that life that Tony was talking about." And he went back. He found the love of his life. He stayed with her, and he lived the life that he always wanted to have—the life that he'd lost out on. And we meet him only as he's old. He passes the um, the shield on to Falcon, his best friend. And, you know, he says, you know, this feels like it's somebody else's. He's like, it isn't. I really like that line of delivery, by the way. Because it could have been like, it isn't. <laughs> but he's like, it isn't. Like, come on, bro. Why don't you realize this? But, um, but the see, that, I, see, again, I love Captain America. They did my boy right. They gave him the life he wants. But it's so weird because I don't know how he shows up there. Yeah, I, I feel like... Like, once you start messing... See, that's the problem. is Once you start introducing something that's convoluted as time travel, you start kind of, like, breaking some of the logic in the story. Like, he's not supposed to be in that timeline anymore. He went to a different timeline. No, he didn't. No, he didn't. This is still their timeline. No, but he went to... A, as soon as he goes back, it's someone else's timeline. You have to come back to the, that timeline. Uh, I don't know. Let's there was there just... was a there was a huge talk about it when like good old uh, Don Cheadle just like throw with names of time travel movies. But he was wrong about all those time travel. No, movies. he wasn't. That's the point, though. That's well. The point point is he is wrong. Those movies they make sense in, in that they have one time continuity, whereas if you change something in the past, it will ha- affect the future. 
whereas Hulk and uh, so they're splitting off. Yeah, so that that was the problem. Hmm, okay. that, that was that was the inherent problem. I'm gonna accept it. I'm gonna say it's no okay. because that's otherwise why not go back in time and kill Thanos? That was the entire argument. Because you can't. Yes, because okay. it splits it splits everything up. Fair. Okay. Anyway, um, so like that that was the, that that was the thing that annoyed me because it's it it could be a nitpick, but I got annoyed because they 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 worked hard to set up that kind of world. And then they broke it by having Cap sit in there. I mean, he, as far as I know, he could have reappeared in the timeline as an old man and then just sat there. Mm. Okay, so for me, the reason that I, I'm not satisfied with that is because, one, we're already... Like, it, it's been Tony's story the entire time. And now they're also wrapping up Cap's story. I kind of feel like that should have been its own movie, man. No. I No? No, I don't think so. I want to see Tony's, like, a Cap's adventure in the past, getting back to her. Being reunited. As much as I want to. Since I he think... never traveled to the future, he still has the ability to time travel in another time. So we can have another time travel adventure with Cap going off somewhere else. I, I don't mind. See, again, I don't mind that. I just I just think it's 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 wrapped up well enough. Like, I, no complaints for me. I think it's wrapped up well enough. I think this is as good as it's going to get. This is the movie that wraps up everything. It just structurally just feels thrown in. No, uh, I don't think that's what structurally feels thrown in. I think, the, I think what's weird as well is Peter Parker going back to school. That's also weird. Why? Because it's been five years. So? The only way he gets to meet Ned is that the, if his entire class was destroyed. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Like, <laughs> Again. So Zendaya and Ned and Peter Parker all had to and be Flash. snapped out. All had to be snapped out. Everyone in Spider-Man had to be snapped out. Just, just as long as you... Well, I mean, we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. That's, like, that's, what, I'm, that's, what, I'm, that's what I'm hoping happens. <laughs> but I'm just, I'm just saying. I was thinking about that too. But no, so I feel like... Yeah, everyone gets their ending. Not every character gets an ending here, no. though. Like, there's certain characters that are still still building. And so I wanted to turn the conversation to Thor. Oh, here we go. Here we go. Um, and I think Chris Hemsworth's character, to me, has been my favorite of the entire series. Of all of the characters in um, the entire Marvel Universe, what they've done know, with Thor is my favorite. I don't know about whether he's my favorite, but I do have a grudging respect for Thor. Because he, um, his movies, like the first movie was okay. The second movie was a bit of a disaster, but I remember enjoying it. That's the thing. Um, so his solo movies were a bit off kilter. His the Ragnarok was pretty good. Ragnarok, I remember, was pretty good. I watched I really it again. Like Ragnarok. Yeah. I really like it as well. Like, like finding out Chris Hemsworth is funny, and then finding out he could be this funny. Yeah. It was like a good tool to have in your... Well, we saw that in the first one. So if we go through... Um, so the first Thor movie came out in that first... Like, before Avengers. Okay. And he is this Norse god who exists on another planet called Asgard who gets transported to Earth but is still basically... Realm. I think Asgard's a planet. It's a realm. I think it's, yeah, it's part of one of the nine realms. It's a realm? It's a whole realm? They get a whole realm. I, I mean, if it's if I were Odin, I'd, I'd have my own realm. That's fair. Okay. <laughs> I don't mean to... Sorry, Odin. Um, and Odin's son. Um, so he gets transported to Earth, but he as well, the reason that the first Thor movie works is because he's not a man out of time, but he's a man out of his own context. Fish out of water? He, it's a great fish out of water story. He's, you know, he's taking his beer and he's throwing it down. I was about to say, do you, want to, do you want me to throw the coffee down? Please do not. This drink, I like it. Crash. But, so it's the humor in the first Thor movie that works the best. But it wasn't him being humorous. It was him playing the straight man. It's just him playing the straight man being odd. But it's great. I agree. I'm not disagreeing. So it's not, yeah, he he's not, doesn't have to be it funny. Was, it was flipped on its head and like Ragnarok is where he's delivering a lot of the jokes. Yeah. So, I mean, the, so the, the crux of the character where we meet him is that he's, you know, he is this, you know, 
legendary figure, but at the same time, he's basically a child. Yeah. He's got no sort of emotional maturity. He's got no sense of the world. He's got no sense of himself. Um, he's just a very limited, like he's basically a character. Like he's this mythological character. And his journey is to go from being a character to being a person. And that's what makes the Thor movie so satisfying. No, I, I'm, so, I'm so not the, disagreeing. I like Thor. No, for sure. So the second Thor movie is very much, you know, back into the mythological world. It's, you know, pomp. It's, it's, it's just too much. It's, there's, there's no humor in those films. It's just pure drama. They hired one of the directors of Game of Thrones and they tried to capture a Game of Thrones-esque feeling, but it just didn't work. I was like, yeah, that's not... Cause Cause I, 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 I didn't know that, but now that you told me, I'm like, that doesn't that, that, that doesn't seem like a good direction there. No, it doesn't. But um, it had, like, some of the memorable scenes uh, for me were when Thor goes to see Loki after their mother has died, mm-hmm. and he's projecting this false image that he's okay. Yeah. And then when he removes it, he's actually like... There's blood on the wall. He's broken everything, and he's completely depressed. No, there's good. There's just like it has some moments in it, but it's just filled with unmemorable drivel. And Endgame. Well, I mean, we'll get to it in a minute. But Endgame undoes a lot of the damage that it did oh, by going back to that film. One hundred percent. And I, making I, those scenes I, work. When they went back, I'm like, oh, that's just, that's a low blow for the MCU. <laughs> like I thought, I was like, you're gonna oh, make us care about gonna, this movie. They're gonna make us do that, and they fixed it. They did. Um, but so then. Basically, I, I think that they all felt that that film didn't work. Yeah. And so they hired Taika Waititi, who's a, a comedy director. He did a, a New Zealand movie called Boy. He directed some episodes of Flight of the Concords. He did a film called Hunt for the Wilder People. How is that, by the, the way? Shadows. I haven't seen Hunt for the Wilder People. But from, from what I've seen of what we do See in it. the shadows, I'm, I worship Taika Waititi. See it. Um what we do in the shadows is a lot more like you can see the flight of the Concords, like it's a mockumentary. Yeah. Whereas this is just more of a straight comedy, um, but with with heart, with character, and so he was a great fit for these films, and he was able to bring out the best in Chris Hemsworth, um, because Chris Hemsworth was able to find the character himself, find his own voice, find his humor. They actually did this little short film explaining why Thor wasn't in Captain America: Civil War. Um, he's been living with some human in New Zealand. As, as his roommate, he's just kind of waiting for the call. Um, it was hilarious. Um, and, and Thor they, was waiting, was living with a human in New Zealand? Yeah. Doing it, what? Just, just sitting on the couch, <laughs> waiting. He's like, I don't know why they didn't call me. Like, um, <laughs> It's really funny. Um, and so they, they took that tone oh, and that damn. spirit, and they brought that into to Ragnarok. But the problem for me with Ragnarok is he, he's very funny. His character development is great. He's become a human in a lot of ways. Yeah. But... The emotional beats of this, you know, this huge world, his father dying, his sister coming back, his, you know, um, getting over the death of his mother from the second film. All and Ragnarok destroys Asgard and, you know, kills a lot of, you know, his family and friends as an entire world. And since he's been alive for thousands of years and this has all happened within the span of like a couple of years, everything's happening all at once basically for and him. And it's messing him up real bad. Yeah, so, but we don't get any of the, the emotional weight in Ragnarok. No. None of it hits like. It hits as a comedy. It doesn't hit as a drama. Right. Um, then it, we get... We, we kind of did get some of that in... What's it called? Some of that in Infinity War. Yeah. There's a beautiful scene where... Infinity, uh, no, Infinity War, I think, is the perfect balance. Yeah, because there's a beautiful scene where he's just sitting by himself, and he's like, I've got nothing to lose. He just... With Rocket. He's lost Rocket, everything. When Rocket's like, are you okay? Are you going to be okay? And he's just like crying and just keeping it together. He's like, I'm going to... I got this. I'm going to keep this together as they're going to... Uh, I don't even know how to say that place. 
of what was it called? It doesn't matter. I mean, they're going to basically. So they're the, going to Weapon Century with Weapon Peter Century. Dinklage. Yeah, they're going to see Peter Dinklage, the dwarf giant guy who's <laughs> going to make them a big strong. Thing. Worst English accent, but they still keep him around. <laughs> I've got doesn't matter. Was it eight He's seasons. He's the spiritual successor to Dick Van Dyke and Mary Poppins. I agree. I one hundred percent agree. I don't know. You probably spent like way too much time thinking about that, but. I, I, I fair, agree. fair. Um, but no, so basically the arc, he's lost everything in the first three four, mm. Thor films. And in Infinity War, it's like, I'm falling apart at the seams, but I can do one thing. Yeah. I can get to this weapon center. I can build the only weapon that can defeat Thanos, and I can save the day. And I can have a purpose, and I some can be the, the hero he that said, I want to be. Some of the things that were like also like, they were aptly dark, where he's like, many a person thought they've killed me, and here I am. So I'm like, mm. There's so much pathos yeah. in his character as well. Um, and they do a great balance because when it's silly, when it's, you know, him fighting in those ancient, you know, elves and frost giants, he talks about it like that and you laugh, but you realize at the same time that this is really hurting him. Yeah. Like, this, is his, this is his life. It's like he understands the absurdity of his life, but at the same time, like, he's unable to, like, he's, he's laughing but to cry. Yeah. Like, he's processing it through his humor but he's having a really hard time coping and so the way the infinity war works is he getting his all i need to do is get to this weapon i'm gonna do anything i'm gonna risk my life um you he know. holds open like a, what is it a like a, st- a star he opens the, the bridge to the stars yeah and like basically almost sacrifices himself for this weapon for this goal and it's a joke but it's serious yeah um but you just see like how unhinged he is and you know, how like teetering on the edge he is in order to achieve this goal like in a way it's like he wants to die um because that would be his ending. Yeah. And he wouldn't have to deal with the emotional trauma that he's been processing or failing to process. And he gets the weapon. He brings it all the way back. He runs at Thanos, hits him in the chest. Thanos just says... You should have aimed for the head. should have aimed for the head. And Snaps Thor has lost. Yeah. Snaps his fingers. And I'll be honest... Uh, you know, you ever hear the jokes that came out of that film when everyone's like, why didn't all Thor had to do was cut off his head? All Thor had to do was like cut off his head. Like yeah, someone made a joke about that. Yeah. And then in the beginning of this movie, the first thing Thor does is chop cuts his, his chop off his hand, mm. so he wouldn't use the stone. Yeah. <laughs> and then he chops off his head and he's like, "I went for the head." But they've let's talk about the context that they've left him in, and this has I think been very controversial that people have. Um, really it's divisive. It's, it's, it's incredibly divisive. divisive. Yes. So when they go to find him. He's basically living in effectively his parents' basement, even though his parents are dead. <laughs> it's it's. I think it's it's exactly it's in Norway. It's exactly the place that uh, Odin was, where he passed, where he mm. passed, and said this would be a fine like. Yeah. Asgard. I think that's exactly where they, they picked up. So I, they're they're sitting in New Asgard. Yeah. But he's basically living on a couch with his two buddies that he met in Ragnarok. They're playing a lot of Fortnite, and they're drinking a lot of drinks. No, oh, he's back. He's called me a dickhead. <laughs> gotta, gotta yell at him again. <laughs> yeah, I'm Thor. I'm the god of the... Yeah, I will come hilarious. to your basement. <laughs> Just, yeah, again, so it was funny. He's wrapped himself up. He's basically gone back into this teenage-like state. Yeah. He's, he's completely regressed and failed to process his emotions. And they come to him and they ask for his help. He refuses to go, but they say, you know, there's beer on the ship. What kind of beer? And they go. Um, but he has gained a lot of weight. He's completely let himself go. His hair is disheveled, you know, completely disheveled. His beard is like me a month ago. Um, before I decided, I, had I was to about like to Paul say Red. that that's like its own saga right now. Even <laughs> you and your dad, that was hilarious. But to carry on, yes, the beard saga. Um, but he has 
become like a joke of himself. Yes. Like he went from being the, the butt of the joke in the first film yeah. to being the driver of the jokes in the third film to now being a joke himself. But the joke is because he was unable to process his feelings. See, I, I literally thought there would be a, a different path for Thor that made more sense to me. But, but you don't, so you don't like this Thor? I, no, I don't like this Thor. I think, I think for future films, it works well. Like, I think the decision behind doing it, I understand it. Mm-hmm. So, like, I, like if, I understand it. I know why the one chose this direction. He was funny throughout. But I saw Thor going a different direction. Like, based on what I know of the character of Thor. Mm. You know, I, th- I thought it would be much like a, I in my head that the, the Thanos loss would have made him a more cruel and overprotective person over his people. The same way that when uh, Ultron was first made in the Avengers, second Avengers, he gets mad at, mm. at like Stark, even though they're friends and allies, he actually holds him by the neck and lifts him up. So like the way he reacts to things tends to be anger and. All but that I, kind I of think thing. that's the character Thor. That's not the human Thor. Like that, to that, drive back to my no, like, no, overarching that's, theory here. That's 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 fine. Because he's transformed. Because he's become the, the he's he's in touch with his feelings. Sure, but like if he's in touch with his feelings, then it's, it's a lot more rage than it is. I think sadness. I think like Thor rages. That's what he does. But he's already grown. He's grown away from that guy. Like, uh, he's no longer that Thor anymore. Still. And so he's processing his feelings. In I a think it way. would have been doubly effective if he were like a cruel protector that then has to see his mother, and his mother sees him as this weird, like as this, like as Odin essentially, like a darker Odin. I just feel like that's just that's it's, just so been done, and that's like a like if we're talking about you know just again, how masculinity always evolves in these sorts of films. That's kind of like a classic action movie cliche. You know, like you lose all your family, you become this hardened you know shell of a man, like you're just going off and fighting got, this battle. No, I don't. See, I don't. I don't think that's how it would play out here. I, I don't think that's exactly how it played out here. I think you can easily make him... Like, it would easily show him as more dimensional. To me... It's th- like, it, you, instead of playing him off as a joke. Like, I think that is the logical conclusion... Like, that's the logical progression of the character. I mean, I, that's how I would... I mean, I think Jason Aaron would did something similar. He did, but... but I, I'm, uh, no, again, I, I'm throwing this out there. I don't think he did something, something like that, but I, I remember when... He was unworthy, which is like where he is right now in the comic book series. He first went really darker, and he went and regressed to like trying to solve all his problems through like, I'm gonna go take this axe, I'm gonna get this goat, and I'm gonna go through space adventures and kill people. Well, one, one, that's the arc that they gave Clint Barton, Hawkeye. Yeah, no, uh, that, but uh, it's so weird. Again, I like the Ronin costume. Yeah. But it was like again that was weird for me to see like that's what got Ronan yeah. to come out. But I, I agree. But so I, I feel like the main reason people are going to push back to this version of Thor is that what you're talking about is an acceptable um, version of masculinity that we accept as a story and the way we accept male characters. That's a that's a acceptable way to process your grief and to deal with the sorts of pain, and that's an acceptable journey for a character to go on. He's been kind of quote unquote emasculated in this film because he's not just going through his rage. I just don't see him as emasculated. I really don't. I mean, I don't either because I don't feel like that's the only way for a man to be. And like the weakness, like he's on the verge of tears at a lot of points. Right. He's showing so much. He's showing a different sort of uh, uh, sensitivity. He he was on the verge of tears in uh, what's it called? Infinity War. But they were not like strong man tears. This is not like no, no. But like that that was balanced. That was stoic balance kind of thing. That was that was balanced. That character. With like the way he he walks like after he kills Thanos and he walks out and things go blurry and it's beautiful white out of focus image of him walking away with like the red shines all that shit, it it felt like they're going for a, the darker cruel like a darker more cruel Thor that would fit the character more. I I again like I understand why they wanted the 
With funny Thor? With the soft Thor. Yeah, no, I... Quite literally. I don't... <laughs> literally, but I don't think he's soft as a character. I think he, like... Imagine, I don't either. Because uh, if you manage to survive any of this and you haven't killed yourself, you're... Good, good but that's job. that's what I mean. Like I feel like this character is helping to redefine what a masculine character can be. I don't think so. I think this is this is also another cliche. Like for it's, him to it's, fall into this. No, to, for a character to be blubbery and a drunk, like it's another cliche. It is in, but, in but, a sense, but I feel like because Chris is able to imbue that with so many different directions, so many oh, ways no, he's, no, but like, that it never falls just into that cliche. I know. Like, I know. It's weakest when there's lines like, "Oh, by the way, have a salad." Oh, by the way, he needs to have another drink. I agree. What's in your What's in your blood? Cheese whiz. I, I agree. Like that doesn't work for me. No, calling him Lebowski was funny though. That was funny, <laughs> but yeah. So, but no, I feel like the way the Chris I, I plays him, like, like improvisation, I, what Chris brings to the role was amazing. Is what helps redefine. No, I agree. The character. No, I I agree. I think Chris is a lot funnier than we ever gave him credit for. He certainly was a lot funnier than goddamn Ghostbusters. Yeah. But like, he's a lot funnier than anyone gave him credit for. And those chops come through in this film, mm-hmm. and I'm I am looking forward to as Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah, comic. I've I've read the comic. I'm not a huge fan of that. I'm hope it's not the same team. Yeah, but like I'm hoping this is like the direction for the as Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah. So basically, the way we leave this in the end is that he, Thor is going off with the um, Guardians, Guardians of the Galaxy, the crew. And but we saw them first in Infinity War, and they had great, great chemistry. Um, it was outstanding. It was like an angel. It, it was just popping. It was, a, it was like it was like an angel. <laughs> I wasn't married a pirate or something like that. Yeah, an angel married a pirate. Um, <laughs> no, this is a man. <laughs> oh, and just like him and Chris Pratt have a magic together. They they do. Of course, of course, of course. <laughs> Are you changing your voice? To like, I would never. This is my voice. <laughs> he's already doing it a little bit, but no, just like the way that he plays it off and the way that we like leave him there and he's looking. He's like, of course you're in charge. Of course, of course, of course. Oh, just the look that he gives, <laughs> it's brilliant. It, that's my point. Like, like, Chris that, is it, so good. It, it brought that out of him. Yeah. And, and he wasn't a cult leader. Look at that. Yeah. He uh, wasn't dancing in a weird way or was not. shooting, was not. Uh, what's her to name, To go Dakota? back to Bad Times of the El Royale. <laughs> I know you hated that film. But no, I loved, I loved Chris Hemsworth. Um, he was great. And I loved what he, what he was able to bring to this character. And also he told me that he was um, oh, improvised a lot. Is, 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 is this, uh, are we cutting to a Hemsworth? Is, Hem- is Hemsworth no, entering Chris, the room? Chris Hemsworth. Is, oh, hello, Chris. <laughs> would you like to sit down with me and talk about this film? You would. Okay, let's hear a little bit of that conversation that we're having right now. Hey, man. How are you? Good. I saw you on the set of Men in Black. Um, yeah, that's yeah, right. In the behind the, the curtain, yeah. back in the. And actually, have the the Hemsworth trifecta because I've interviewed. Both your brothers. Oh, cool. I had lunch with um, <clears throat> Luke over in Dubai a couple of years ago. All oh, right, right. had a great time. Yeah, awesome. He talked about you like, oh, your brothers love you, man. Like, <laughs> cool. Yeah, well, I love them. I'm very lucky. Yeah, excellent. <laughs> so yeah, how, how are you feeling? How's it, how's it going? Feeling good, yeah. We're in LA for about a week doing, uh, doing this, doing press, and yeah. um, here in London. I feel better on this time zone than I did on that one. It was pretty, mm. it was pretty jet-lagged over there. I feel good now. So I want to talk about the evolution of this character, especially your performance with it, because I think Thor is the most interesting in terms of the development of it in a tone from a tone perspective, because mm-hmm. you're always trying to balance between the the comedy, which you do so well, and the, you know the serious side of this you know massive Norse mythological world. Yeah. And we went you know a mix. We went very serious. We went very comedic. And I feel like Infinity War captured that that mix really well. Mm, yeah. So how has that been from your perspective and like? 
keeping that balance and yeah. like keeping that character. I think the the, the first, you know, uh, Thor one, Thor two, Avengers one, two. I definitely sort of gave myself over to whatever the vision of the director was and the writers and producers. You know, I didn't have a, a huge sort of voice in that, uh, it, but did feel sort of a little trapped with that, you know, and, and did want to desperately do something different. And then Thor 3 felt like for the first time I really kind of put my stamp on it and had a bit more confidence in what I wanted to bring to the table. And, but it was at a perfect time because it was also, Taika had the same vision. Uh, you know, Kevin Feige was also like ready for something, you know, different as were the fans, I think, you know, we needed a shift tonally. And then I came into Avengers uh, 3 and 4, the Infinity War and this, um, quite protective of what we'd done in Ragnarok mm. and spoke to Anthony and Joe and said, you know, I don't want to go back to this old version. And I was a little nervous that they were going to write that version. And they said, no, we've got something different again. And so, it, it, I, yeah, I think Infinity War captured a great sort of balance of, of as you say, the, the comedy, the drama, the sort of gravitas of this Norse mythology. Um, and it's, it's about that collaboration, obviously, but you as, you know, you have to also speak up and put your kind of stamp on it and um, take ownership as well. And, and uh, it, it just under the stars aligned at the right time, you know. I feel it's nice to sort of finish strong with it as opposed to sort of, you know, I'd hate to have sort of gotten to this point and feel like I'd sort of done it all or the versions of him and were, it was just sort of on autopilot, you know, that, that would be sort of creatively pretty <laughs> unfulfilling, you know. Mm. I mean, what was the most fulfilling part of, you know, bringing it for a landing here and, you know, completing this story. I mean, did, did you feel like you were able to still, you know, be able to improvise with it or did you have to really shift to the tone of this, um, the part four in specific? Yeah, I, I, I had definitely more improvisation in this probably than than the previous one, you know. Mm -hmm. the, um, the, you know, the stakes were sort of as high as they could be, um, but I think we found a great way to kind of, you know, have another version of the, or another sort of, of uh, you know the more growth in the character and something unexpected again and that and that was that was that was just so much fun and, and as I said sort of the I'm you know I'm very thankful that it happened this way you know we finished strong as opposed to the other way around mm, absolutely yeah yeah I mean for for Endgame as well I, I think we're continuing this the story of, of Thanos and I think one of the, the the first film is very much from his perspective in a mm -hmm. lot of ways, and we've had this whole, you know, Thanos is right movement as well. Yeah. This whole the philosophy involved. So, how have you felt about the way that people have taken to that character, and do you feel like this film grapples with that sort of reaction? Mm. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, it, I think at any time, you know, the most fascinating villains are the ones that you you sort of empathise with when you're not supposed to, or mm. you start to sort of buy into what they're about, or they have a you know, they actually have a valid point, you know, then, you know, as an audience, you, you're conflicted, you know, and, and you start to sort of empathise with their situation. And um, I think that's a, you know, I mean, that that's, they make the most interesting villains to, to, to watch and sort of go on a journey with. And they force then your heroes to, to also respond differently, you know. Um, and, you know, I mean, I give credit to the writers and, the Russo brothers for curating a villain with that many layers and that much depth that people do, that people are split in sort of where their allegiance lies. And, and um, it's not, it, there's a gray area that I think they like to sort of 
have their stories exist in, you know, especially in <clears throat> um, Winter Soldier, <clears throat> you started to see it's not as sort of simple as right and wrong, you know. There is this sort of section in the middle where, where you know, we can all be quite conflicted and, and unsure of which direction we should head. Mm. Excellent. Thank you so much. Yeah, man. thanks, buddy. Yeah. Yeah. Pleasure seeing you again. You too, mate. What that scene was? <laughs> no, people believe that he's here right now. It's effortless. I I've met Chris Hemsworth. Thank you, thank you, though. I've always dreamed of meeting him. It was nice he's to so great. sit silently and listen to him. He's talk. still sitting here. He's just very politely not interrupting us because he knows. Like, and when he walked in, everyone else walked out. They did. Oh, that's great. Very silently. Those are steps. Those are real steps. I didn't make those noises in the mouth. Um, but yeah, so I I feel like I, I do you feel you see you don't sound that negative. No. About how he is in this film. Um, again, I understand because I understand why they went with him. I under- like I understand the reason they went with it. And he- that's all I need. All I need for a lot of things is just a reason that makes sense to me, and then I'm fine. We didn't talk about a scene with his mother. So they go back to oh, the was- scene. Um, that was rough, but it was so good. It, that's it's good because it was rough. It's kind of my favorite part of the whole. movie. I don't think it's my favorite part. I will say I don't think it's my favorite part, but I think, I think the, the and it's not touched upon at all how like these heroes don't choose to be heroes. They just have to be heroes. And it kind of, they lose themselves in this mm. role of being a hero. Yeah. So his mother telling him, you need to go find out who you are without this baggage of being Thor, the god of thunder, the hero that Earth needs or the hero the universe needs. And him finding himself, I think that's a really good arc to play off of. Yeah, a hero is a person who's able to be the best version of himself. And I, that's that was good. And that's his arc. But it's, it's him becoming the best version of himself, finding the, the right balance between being Thor this figure and Thor the human, finding out who he really is, who he wants to be. Um, He'll never be human though. Like I don't, I don't think, I think, I don't think, like Thor the human's ever going to be playable. But that's the biggest gift that they've given to this character because now there's they, so you know, much they can story humanize to tell. Him, but like you can always humanize. Like gods have always been anthropomorphic and like. But he's always... the most three dimensional character of the entire thing. Do you disagree? I mean, of, of who's remaining? I don't. But yeah, like now I that we've lost I, Iron Man and Captain so, America, so I don't know. I don't know yet because I have hope. I mean, I but again, the two weirdest decisions in this in this movie, two weirdest decisions. Are Professor Hulk and Schlobby Thor the weirdest decisions in this movie? <laughs> Professor Hulk gets a whole other. Thing. I can live with Schlobby Thor. I can't live with like Sylvester Stallone Hulk. Why don't you like this Hulk? So yeah, Hulk is basically we've cut to five years in the so future. You could be, He's you found could a way say, to be Mark Ruffalo, to be Hulk Bruce Banner, and, and also be Hulk at the same. So time. I think well with you, I think uh, to go back to what you said, I think I with this group of leftovers. Sorry, I call them leftovers. The leftover characters. Thor is the most uh, robust. Yeah. Like there's there's yeah. I think um, like there's really no story with with Bruce. I like anymore. I like Rocket though. I think Rocket's also like developed a bit. Rocket's really good. I thought they've also done a really great My job. Favorite send, uh, uh, favorite comment from Rocket was you're only a genius on earth. Yeah. That was really good. <laughs> he tells I heard you're only a genius on earth. I'm like Rocket was really good. Um the only line that really doesn't make sense for me for Rocket is when he says to Captain Marvel, like, why aren't you doing it here? Like, why do you care about Earth, bro? You're not from here. Like, he knows that there's stuff going on in the rest of the universe. No, it feels like a weird line to give him. No, it's because he's, he's... I think he's just... This was when he's bitter that no one stopped Thanos. No, this is... I mean, yeah. So, like, he's still bitter that... Like, if you had all this power, why weren't you on Earth when we needed you? Because he, he watched Groot die. Have yeah. you ever... Have you ever look fair, up fair, what fair. Groot said in, last, in, last, in his last no. words? Apparently the I am the last I am Groot was dad question mark. Oof, <laughs> that's a lot. Like so I read that somewhere. I was like, 
uh, I'm not. These these are not tears. That it's is like, a lot. You know. No, yeah, I, no. But I, I, one of the things I like about um, this is like this isn't necessarily directly the film, but around the film is that everyone has done interviews for this film except Vin and Bradley Cooper. Well, Vin is busy. Not just that they're busy, but like they've done a great job of separating the actors from the characters. So we those characters are more alive because we're not thinking of Bradley Cooper the whole time. We're thinking of. Uh, I like Bradley Cooper, so I don't know. You like him? I like him. Really yeah, but I, did, I, I, I mean, I'm not I'm saying not, I dislike him. I'm not a huge fan of his, like... Uh, Star is Born? I'm sorry, you mean uh, Lady Gaga's new album. Uh, I wish that were Lady Gaga's film. <laughs> it probably is. That right. was Bradley Cooper listening to Lady Gaga's new album. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. <laughs> but, um, I don't know. I think Vin is busy uh, shooting my obsession. Yeah, but Which is not, the next Fast and But it's not just that. Film. I think they very consciously... Left him out? Kept, kept the CGI characters... Um, <laughs> Kept the kept kept themselves Look, from centering the actors. The way the way the mouse runs, I understand. Like I, I believe it. Mm-hmm. Das house mouse. The I way, think it's on purpose. The way it runs, I, I believe that the fact they're like, okay, these are three D characters. We don't need to give them a face. Like the face can go somewhere else. Yeah, to make the character feel more real. Yeah. Because you already have so much of a struggle on us accepting this raccoon as a, an individual. Do you, know it was, do you know it was, it was Mike Mignola's first work? Yeah. Rocker Rocker. Yeah. It's amazing. Great. It is amazing. Um, anyway, is there anything else we want to talk about in the game? Um, what did you, how did you, well, we haven't touched on Hulk yet. Yeah, I don't know, man. That's a whole other thing. When, but... he's, when he's like, uh, it's like, it's like I was made for this. It was, it was, it was Stallone. <laughs> it was the Stallone phase. Like, this is Adrian. But no, I, I think the, the, the most tender scene in the entire film is him handing Scott Lang Ant Man a taco, just with a big smile on his face. I think I think that was great. I think it was like that was a really good scene for him. I love that. I think another good scene for him is when he throws the stair, the, the chair, because mm. like he's, he's still he's, he's he's Banner all the time. He's, he's so smart and everything, but they can't bring her back. Yeah, and he knows it, and so he just takes the chair and just throws it in the forest, and it's like okay, fine. Yeah, but yeah, I I still haven't made up my mind on what I think about. I think he works for the film. No, I don't think so. I really don't think so. I really don't think he, I, th- I think it was a good decision. I think it's just basically how can we center Ruffalo? It's, yeah, and it's how we how do we get rid of the Hulk? It's gonna smash. <laughs> how do we get rid of the Hulk smash? It was great. They did. They utilized like even the classic Hulk had the great lines like Hulk hates the stairs. <laughs> Hulk stairs. <laughs> Hulk hates stairs. Right. Um, but no, I, I don't think like it's a great Hulk story. But I think for the character they've created, which is basically just Mark Ruffalo. It was a good Mark Ruffalo story. Mm, even then, it was weak. Uh, I think he was good as a comedic backup, which is what he's been in this film, kind of like a comedy backup. Yeah, they decided they don't want to tell a Hulk story. Like, yeah, Hulk's but, there as a supporting character. I think because well, I think they could they, they kind of tried to. I, I look there was a build up of Hulk fighting Thanos and losing, and there was a build up of Mark Ruffalo trying to fight Thanos and lose, and so like they're both losing, and I thought it would be better than Professor Hulk. Like, that re- resolution of Hulk being defeated and Mark Ruffalo being defeated and them both blaming each other and blaming themselves, I thought it would be a better resolution. I think the big problem is he's failed twice. Yeah. But he went on this whole emotional journey and now he's just totally fine. Like, there's no depth to the character because he's just, like, a happy dude who's having a good time and giving people tacos. Like, where do you go with this character? What is his journey? What is, like, what's unfulfilled? What is his yearning? Like, what is he still looking for? What, what do you have left to tell here? So, in a way, 
he doesn't even like need the whole movie to be completed. He was just like, oh, by the way, in between these two movies, I figured myself out, and now I'm just here to be like the one guy who has it all figured out. So, that's like a cop. Oh, sorry, to me, it was like a cop. Someone else. Cop-out. That's what I'm saying. Someone else like, like enjoyed this. There's no, there's no struggle that the character is still on. Yeah. And so there's no reason for him to exist other than to just be like, basically, he's Beast <laughs> from X Men. Oh, good old Hank McCoy. Like he's Hank McCoy. He's just gonna go around. Looking up things in books and saying some smart stuff and giving people a hug and wandering off and being the gentle giant. At least he wasn't Frasier. Yeah, at least he's not. <laughs> but I do think that those sweaters that he's wearing are pretty Frasier. They're pretty Frasier. <laughs> um, yeah, but like, uh, I, I like that the Hulk lost an arm as well. Yeah. He brought everything back together and all lost an arm. By the way, if you, you've seen the first Avengers recently as well. Yeah. So you've seen the one they're like, this stone, the Tesseract emits low gamma radiation. Mm-hmm. So this is all built like it has been building up and yeah, they emits know. gamma radiation that just blows my mind. This yeah. is like a lot. So again, this is one thing about Avengers Endgame. This is why I forgive it a lot of its flaws by the way. Cuz it's not stronger than Infinity War. Yeah. Infinity War was tighter. This one was like, as soon as they introduced the timey-wimey elements, mm-hmm. things started like kind of being weird and falling apart. Things were No, so, they worked for me. Like I the, the first time I watched this movie, it. I was hype. Man, when uh, they no, went on that time heist, I, I was like literally dude, bouncing up and down dude, on my chair. Dude, my friend got us tickets. I, I was supposed to leave the U.S. on the 23rd. My friend was like, hey, I got, us, I got us two tickets to Infinity War on 25th. Immediately, I postponed my flight to the 26th. That's funny. Just so I could watch it in IMAX in, like, Pooler, Georgia, of all places. Do they have a good IMAX <laughs> in Georgia? Yeah. No, it's, I mean, it's, it's like, Pooler's, like, 30, 40 minutes away from Savannah, but, like, it's... It's an IMAX theater. It was amazing. Yeah. It was like, oh, everything was going inside my head, and it was great. Yeah. I, I did laugh, though, because a lot of people were, like, actually crying when Tony Stark passes away. Like, I'm sniffling. fine with them actually crying. I felt things. No, I, I laughed. I, I laughed. I was like, come on, guys. It's, it's, no, I like, didn't like, come laugh. On. I felt things. I, I laughed. I was like, come on, guys. Come on. I didn't cry. But I, I, I did find it emotional. Um, but, yeah, I feel like I, it took me a second time to even see this film as a film critic. Just because I was such a fan as I was you, watching it's it. Like, really it's really so hard. Base, enjoyable. It's so hard to look at that film objectively. Like, I don't know how a critic got to do it. This is like watching 10 years of your life come to like a nice packaged conclusion. And they do that so well. Like, they they make that. it like they, they're able to defeat the critic in me and just pull out the fan in me. And that's kind of the best thing you can say for this film. I mean, I know. I think they're good storytellers, man. And they probably there's no doubt about that. too much patting of themselves on the back in the last couple of weeks like they're saying Robert Downey Jr. should win an Oscar they're saying aren't we great for having like a I think Robert Downey did put an effort in this acting in this film I mm-hmm. think he did do a, a great a great job and I, I was watching it the second time like thinking does he deserve an Oscar for this and I don't really care because Oscars are stupid but I think he did a good job no I mean I think he did a great job like it's, he's been trying hard, like he tried hard for he hasn't been trying for a while so yeah. this has been a bit too easy for him fair but yeah also um, just to uh, reference remember when they uh when he comes, when they first rescue him, and he goes and like gets angry with Cap and gives like rips his chest out. Yeah. And they reference Age of Ultron because mm. they reference that conversation they had there. That was great. Just watching Age of Ultron, I'm like, oh, there, this is where it's. They've paid attention to these characters. Like, this is really lovingly done. And one of the things I've been saying to people about, like, well, what should I watch? Should I watch all of these films? Um, should I just watch some of these films? Can I just watch this film? What I've been telling people is at least watch the first Avengers. Um, Guardians of the Galaxy and Infinity War, and then watch this. Um, but I think with this series, it's is that really... your is that your three club game? You know how in golf there's a three club three those club, are my three, yeah, that's like my three, three club, club challenge. Yeah, and it's like you play the entire course like that. Is that your like three club challenge? You have that's to watch my three club. If Avengers, um, Guardians of the Galaxy, and Infinity War. Yeah, but 
I think the more the, the more love you put into the series, the more it loves you back. Like, you get what you give. Like, the love you make is equal to um, the love you take. Someone we haven't been talking about and deserves deserves to be talked about, Nebula. Nebula is a whole thing, man. She's great. She's great. She it's is really almost, great. She's, uh, I think that closure of the arc, her arc was phenomenal. I think it was... I think it's heartbreaking, but it's also great. Literally heartbreaking. <laughs> but it's No, I, I think that Karen never like she was the guardian who kind of popped the least. She and her performance didn't really work for me in especially the second Guardians of the Galaxy film. I didn't love Karen Gillan in these films, but I didn't like her in one. In two I warmed up to her. And then Infinity It's really these two Infin- films. Infinity War, I started understanding like there was more to the characters mm-hmm. coming up. And then her playing, like, the opening of Endgame immediately. I was like, oh, you no. sweet thing. I think I think that they did really well. And also that with the little things that they think about, like them playing this game and Tony losing, set up later, Ant-Man saying, flick me, and Tony slightly off-flicking him, like, not perfectly. It's like it's a great callback to even the earlier scene. And uh, there's little moments where she leaves him the food because yeah. she's, like, more mechanical than she is biology yeah. was in the food. When he sleeps, like there's kindness. When she sleeps, he she puts him, yeah, on the chair. So like, there's these little moments of them like, like deep bonding together, through that. And then, again, they still kept her like character when she tells, uh, what's his name, Rhodey, be careful, there's an imbecile. Yeah, <laughs> who's be, be coming? There's an imbecile. That was good. There's a whole feminism conversation with this movie too, but I, oh, we don't need to get into it. No, um, because I just feel like we couldn't do it justice. The same way this film doesn't do it justice because. They try to have these great feminist moments. You know, here's all the female characters working together all at I, once. But mm. they haven't done enough to develop any of them, so it just no. feels kind of token. Like, it feels like they're just trying to, like, wink and being like, let's get our feminist moment. But I know, it never, like, all the I female know. characters feel secondary, the whole movie. No, yeah, I know. So I mean, it's I, like, guys, you can't, I, you, I, didn't, like, you didn't earn this. Like, the worst, well, the worst crime is, again, Black Widow being overshadowed. Yeah, like, she's 100% over, like, she was overshadowed the, the entire uh, series. See, uh, admittedly, though, like, she died, and, like, the way she died and all this, because it was uh, music and everything was reenactment of Infinity War. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, for a second, I was like, did they just Photoshop? Yeah, right? <laughs> did they just Photoshop Black Widow sure Gamora? They, no, they, they, the, they must have made them at the exact same time, so they just, like, yeah, Photoshopped her. Well, uh, Captain Marvel, though, she was in this film, like, they shot this film before they did the Captain Marvel thing. Yeah. That was... That's interesting. Yeah, that's we'll talk about that's that. That's an entire thing. That's an entire thing. <laughs> All right, yeah. So All right, we can't done. talk about everything with no, Endgame. No, no, we're done. But we're gonna end the conversation there. Um, thank you, Ramo. Uh, pleasure, pleasure, William. Hopefully, and we'll have a, I don't know, the next DC movie. We'll have a sit down. Yeah. So thank you for listening. I'm William Mullally. This has been the Cutaway. Music is by Pro Letter. Thank you to Chris Hemsworth, I'm Scarlett Johansson, Paul Rudd, Anthony, and Joe Russo for sitting here so quietly for most of the podcast. Thanks, guys. Who was that? Someone mumbling. I think that was Scarlett Johansson. Anyway. um, (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) This is the end of the episode. It's ending right now. (laughs) 